Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I want to cover two important topics this morning. Now, first off, I want to talk about the top trends to keep an eye on in high school and youth sports. And uh, for better or for worse, I do believe that these changes are coming sooner rather than later. And then, before the hour is up, I, I do want to talk about some key insights from the world of sports psychology, especially as it relates to your kids in sports particularly as we come into September in a few weeks and a lot of kids are going back to school and tryouts for teams or travel teams. I want to talk about that process and what kids go through and what you can do as a parent to help keep them on the straight and narrow in terms of making sure their anxiety and nerves don't get the best of them. Okay, but first up, a number of listeners have emailed me as to whether some of the principles I outline in my book can be taught to kids, and I want to talk about that. But again, These are things that are suggestions to keep in mind regarding your kid as they work through their mental preparation for games and tryouts. But again, I want to, I'm skipping ahead. First, I want to introduce to my special guest this morning. Jack Smithlin is a Hall of Fame coach who has worked at the high school varsity level for 42 years in Fairlawn, Park Ridge, and Woodridge, New Jersey. He's a longtime listener and contributor to this show. In fact, I'm sure for those of you who listen to my show on a regular basis, you'll recognize Jack's voice as Jack from Fairlawn. And I've, I have to tell you, I've been so impressed with Jack's insights with his calls over the last few months that I've asked him to spend some time with me today to talk about the, the growing patterns and trends in youth sports and to get his perspective as someone who has been, well, quite frankly, in the trenches coaching kids over several decades. In fact, we all know that youth sports and high school sports, that landscape, it is changing and changing rapidly. Well, Jack, good morning, and thank you for coming on the Sports Edge as a guest. Oh, Rick, I'm thrilled. I'm actually honored. I mean, it's it's something that, you know, people that call in, and there's many callers that I listen to every single week, you know, you, you dream about something like this. So I really appreciate it, and thank you for inviting me. Well, as I said, you know, I've done the show for a number of years, and you know, I have made some wonderful friendships, uh, quite frankly, uh, doing the show. I mean, people calling in like yourself who share the same concerns, the same passion that I have about sports today and kids and what's going to develop and new trends. And, and obviously, as I said, uh, I get a lot of calls, a lot of emails, a lot of people text me as well. But the fact is, some, some of the callers in particular are people you say, you know, that, 
that that fellow has something really special to offer, and that's that's why I invited to come on the show today. And you oh, know, I, pre- I appreciate it, Rick. Well, Jack, let's get into this because there are, there are some things I want to talk about with you. And and uh, you know, we we in recent weeks we've talked about social media on the show. Uh, I want to talk about the the rising, growing prominence of club teams, uh, and concomitantly the diminishing role of high school varsity sports. I want to talk about the role of sports parents in all this and how kids today, you know, they still continue to specialize in one sport despite the repeated warnings from doctors and surgeons not to do that. And I want to, you know, sort of sort these issues out and get your thoughts and observations because, look, let's face it, Jack, being a sports parent, it's more complicated than ever. And uh, let's start first, you know, with social media and Twitter and Instagram and all the rest. You know, (laughs) I was thinking about this. When I was in high school, and perhaps the same with you, social media, you know, that consisted of basically uh, somebody posting a newspaper article or clipping on the wall in the locker room. Uh, if, so- <laughs> if somebody on an opposing team said something that was, you know, wrong or awkward or, or in- enraged you, that got posted on the bulletin board, and the coaches want to make sure you saw it because obviously they'll just sort of get you a little more psyched up to to go out and take on your opponent. That I was still, social. I, I still have a lot of those articles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do, and, and you know that was social media back in the day. But now, of oh. course, it's just evolved to to uh, you know to a level and scale we can only can only have imagined when we were growing up. So, oh man, it, you know it, it's funny because. Social media as a teacher, as a coach, as a mentor, and even as a parent, you know, it's it's not going away. It's something that you just can't say, listen, you know, let's get rid of it. You know, in fact, it's getting bigger and stronger. And what I feel the problems are is that the kids don't understand the rules. They don't understand the consequences to what they have in their hand and the problems that it can cause. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful tool, but it could also, you know, diminish things. It could also cut you down like, like nothing. But you know, one of the things that that I, I, I truly believe in is that when they start to understand the consequences, they start to understand that there are problems and that it will come back to bite you, they'll learn. But here's one of the things as a teacher, Rick. As a teacher, one of the things I learned as a teacher, mentor, and a coach, and even a parent, is that kids back in our time, you know, we're both about the same age, um, and when you came into school, you were taught, told, and automatically respected a teacher because they were a teacher. Mm-hmm. Today, that's not the case. Kids don't. Kids are taught not to re, not to trust anybody, not to respect anybody until you earn it. So, as a coach and as a mentor, my job is to not teach the skills that I do or that I that I work on in baseball hitting and, and baseball and softball, but it's to make that kid, that person, that athlete the best person they possibly can be. And the way that you do that is you teach. So what we have to do is we have to communicate. If we want to teach something, we have to communicate. We have to make a connection. There has to be a a big-time connection and relationship between you and that student. Listen, you're not going to follow somebody just because they say they're a leader. You're going to find out what they have to say, whether the stuff that they're saying is good, and then you start to listen. You know, and today it's it's not that way. Kids are different. They come in and they don't want to hear anything. Well, one other me... thing. One other thing I want to say is, yeah, when they're by themselves, they feel they're safe. 
when they're in their own private room or with their friends or away from adults, they think nothing can happen to them. They think they're invincible. It's not. It's not. And they got to understand that, you know, there are things that are going to happen because of what they do with that social media device, with that, that phone, which is one of the most powerful things in the world today. And as soon as they start learning that and understanding it, you know, and we start teaching it again, like you said in one of your shows a couple of weeks ago, in the classroom, teach it in the classroom, because that's when it should be taught. Well, and you know, we're, we're talking this morning with Jack Smithlin, and, and you know, I, I just, let me play devil's advocate for a second with you, uh, because, you know, some, it's so prevalent, and we see endless, endless stories, headlines now of, of major league players and pro athletes uh-huh. having to go back to apologize, you know, for things they said when they were in high school on, on, on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. It's endless, and it's going to continue because... You know, the kids, when they're, I think, when they're in their teenage years, I don't know if they take it as seriously as perhaps as as we do. In other words, the kids today just sort of shrug their shoulders and say, well, so what? So it's just I put something on Twitter that was uh, dumb or, or not right to say, and yet that's that's the way it is. And everybody else who reads my account, who is my age, doesn't take it seriously. I mean, you, you never hear what I'm saying, Jack— you never get a sense of any outrage coming from the kids who read this stuff. It seems to be coming from the, the adults, the parents, the the, uh, the educators who go, my gosh, look what this kid wrote. It's just outrageous. Now, what would happen if that same kid, okay, did that and there were consequences? That, you know, some kids are going to learn, Rick, and some kids are not. Yep. It's the ones that you connect with. You know, when they can trust you as a teacher, they can trust you as a mentor, as a parent. As a, as a coach, okay, they're going to listen. They're going to listen more often. And, you know, one of the things that I learned reading all these books, and I read all of John Wooden's books, this guy had a, a program or, or a system that was called the Sandwich Effect. And what the Sandwich Effect is is that I watch and I listen to football coaches on the field coaching eight-year-olds, okay? And when they want to get something across, their first words out are screaming and yelling and, and ripping this kid apart, all right? Now, that kid, all of a sudden, I mean, knowing child psychology and knowing what students do, as soon as he hears those negative words, that kid shuts off. He doesn't hear it. He doesn't want to listen. Correct. But what John Wooden used to do is he started his conversation or his reprimand with a positive. Right. Hey, Billy, way to dribble the ball across midcourt. That was a great job. But when you make your pass, do it this way. And good finish there, buddy. Good finish. Positive, negative, positive. He called it the sandwich effect. And you know what? It works. I tried it with kids. Uh, it's so, no, you know, Jack is no question that the, the you know the sandwich effect or or, or the uh, the prey sandwich as it's become known as well. It, it it does work, and yet you know a lot of coaches and parents still don't understand this because you have to get the kids. You said you got to make a connection. All right, look, let me let me get, let me take a time out here. We're talking with Hall of Fame coach uh, Jack Smithlin. Uh, we're talking about social media and getting kids to understand. The impact of what they're doing, that seems to be a major hurdle for our young athletes today. All right, let me take a time out. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Back here this morning, we're talking with Jack Smithlin, the longtime high school football, excuse me, high school Hall of Fame coach over in Jersey, and of course a longtime contributor to the Sports Edge. And we're talking before the break, Jack, we're talking about social media and what we can do as coaches and parents to get our kids 
to understand that there is going to be repercussions in the things they put forth. And maybe now, because of the recent surge of, of uh, so many athletes having to go back and apologize now, maybe that will you know to sort of get the kids to pay attention. But I still wonder if kids really it just it doesn't sink in. You mentioned earlier about how kids feel like they're immortal or powerful when they have their phone and they're somehow not going to be held accountable for the things that they, they post in cyberspace. But it, it's it's a real concern. You know, one, one of the things I heard today on the radio, and this is crazy, I heard it, it was the Nielsen um, poll. Yep. And it said that, and I heard it just this morning on the radio, that kids, teenagers up to the age of 18, spend 11 hours on their phone every day. 11 and hours? 11 hours on their phone. When I heard it, I wanted to listen to it again, but then he repeated the next thing, and he said, adults spend half of their waking hours. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, when you have that phone in your hand, this can only cause problems if you don't know how to handle it. And one of my true feelings is, you know, ending this topic, is that there has to be consequences. We have to teach, and we have to repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, like that book I quoted a couple of weeks ago, you haven't taught until they have learned. People have to understand that. you got to try. And if your method's not working in the classroom, change your method. Yeah, Change I, your method. I was going to say, I mean, I, I do agree. It's very straightforward and simple advice, Jack. Repeat, repeat, repeat until oh. every kid makes that connection and gets your point. And, you know, we, we talked a, a few weeks ago about, you know, basically there should be uh, courses being taught uh, in middle school. I agree. About, about, and it's not just for student-athletes. It's for all the kids to say, as you said, look, this, this phone in your hand, which you're on, on for 11 hours a day, you know, this is a powerful tool, and it can do good and it can do bad. No. you, you got to <laughs> learn about what, what the, all the bad things that can happen to you if you let, th- let your impulses get out of control. I, I, well, I, I agree with you 100%. We're on the, we're on the same page here, Rick. We well, really I, are. And, I still think know, that's... I think it's a really good idea, Jack, and I think it should be done. Maybe schools are already beginning to do this, but I think it's uh, it's really beginning to hit home now with a lot of parents and, and coaches in particular, because coaches have to deal with this. It's as simple you as know, that. You know, one quick thing before we get off of this topic is yeah. that in my school, you know, I took courses and, 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 and studied online, and I didn't want to go get any credit or anything like that or any extra pay because I'm increasing my education, but... I started doing a, a, a life program, and I started teaching the life program to elementary kids. And it's all about respect, commitment, responsibility, all caring, and all these things. And I teach it in my health class before I ever start a health topic. And I've gotten such rave reviews from the parents because the kids are now catching on. And you know what? Some of the kids, it's it, they're almost too old to understand because they, like I said to you before, they think that they're, you know, um, they can't be harmed. They think that they're they're all mighty and nothing's going to happen to them. But the first consequence that hits that kid, they're either going to learn or not learn. I, and I you could, know what? Yeah. It'll happen. And I tell parents all the time, pay attention to this because nope. uh, you see all the headlines. Uh, right now they're focused on top athletes, but it could happen to any youngster. It's as simple any as kid. that. Let me move on to the whole concept of club teams. Now, obviously, doing the show for a long time. I've obviously talked many, many times about travel and club teams, Jack, and we're talking with Jack Smith and the Hall of Fame coach from New Jersey. But the fact is, in my perspective, that I really do believe that club teams are going to continue to grow in prominence. 
grow in power. I think as, as kids go through uh, sports in their particular community and their schools, the best kids are going to end up not playing for the high school varsity team. They're going to say, I've been playing for my club team, which plays at a higher level against better competition. What, what the impact's going to be, and Jack, I'm curious to get your thoughts about this, I do think you're going to find out that in a few years, high school varsities are going to end up being more uh, like rec teams as opposed to being premier showcases for, for top athletes because the top athletes aren't going to be playing for the schools anymore. Well, I, I agree with that. You know, it's funny. You know, like like we've talked before, we're, we're the same age. We're old school, both of us, and, and you're right on, 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 you know, with this topic because, you know, the outside clubs, when they first started years and years ago, they started as rec traveling teams. Yes. And what they did is they waited for the high school season to be over, and then they played in the summer a little bit, and they played in the fall, you know, and, and that was about it. And then because they needed those high school athletes, then it started to grow as a, as a business, and it started to go all year, and the kids were training, and all these guys came in, and they promised them the world. And you know what? A lot of them produce it. They say that, you know, we go to showcases, we go to tournaments. There are going to be tons of college uh, recruiters there and professional scouts there. So let me ask you, as a high school kid who wants to go on and play at the college level and hopefully someday at the pro level, would you rather be playing in, in, in front of scouts and recruiters, or would you rather be playing in front of your parents at a high school game? Yeah. You know, one of the things that's going to happen, like you said, is that our high school sports, which used to mean a lot, when you made all league or all conference or all county or all state, that was the top honor. I mean, you couldn't do it. Now, those kids that are making that, they're, they're, they're taking back seats to those kids who are playing club ball, who are playing all year. But one of the things about it that bothers me is that training all year doesn't mean you have to play all year. I had two sons, both we're baseball people. They both, but they both played high school football and high school soccer. They both ran winter track. They wrestled and played basketball, but they trained in baseball all year. All right, they hit and they threw and they they didn't play. They didn't play fall ball. They didn't play summer ball. You know, they worked at their sport. That you know, when they had open seasons, of course they worked at baseball, but it doesn't mean to play all season. It means if you want to train all season. You can do it. You can do it and still play other sports. You know, then it became a business. And once it well, became a business, oh, yeah, boy. It changes you know? everything. Now, you know, uh, it, this, this past year, Time Magazine did a big piece about how uh, youth sports is now a $15 billion business, <laughs> and that's feeding into the dreams and hopes of all, you know, sports parents oh. everywhere. And and to your point, Jack, uh, if, if a kid is showing at an early age – uh, late elementary, middle school, that they're going to have some promise as in one particular sport. Mom and dad are like, well, this is going to cost a fortune, but we want the best for our child. And clearly, if it means they're going to be uh, playing on an outside travel or an elite club team, uh, which means take them away from their friends in school and a lot of hours on the practice no. field all year round, the parents think, I, I guess this is the way to do this because – you know, this is the way to get to to the promised land in terms of professional or sports or, or college scholarships. Now, along the way, you know, the kids might say, I much prefer to play with my high school buddies, but that's that's not going to be an option anymore because everybody's going to migrate to the, the best club teams. Because, again, the club teams are going to be the gateway, as you said before, to being recruited, to being uh, perhaps getting scholarships, to being seen by top college programs. It's not going to happen at the high school level. It's as simple as that. 
if, if you remember years and years ago when we were actually kids and growing up probably in our late teens, early 20s, 30s, you know, those Russian teams used to go into families and say, this kid is this, this kid is this, he's going to be a gymnast, he's going to be a runner. Right. They took them away from their families and they trained them year round. I hope we never get to that. I mean, you know, it's moving towards that. And, you know, I, I would hate to, you know, I would hate for high school athletics to become a rec program, you know, but like, like you, I see it happening and I see it happening fairly, you know, down, you know, close down the road. It's, it's, it's something that's oh, I, being taken away. I think it's happening already and it's oh. not talked about much because it's, um, it's really the the way of the world, and uh, let's face it, the, the parents are driving this uh, oh. because they want the best for their kid, and the kid shows, and as a travel coach or a club team says, hey, you know, you can keep doing what you're doing, but if you want to get to a higher level, come play for me. Sure, it's going to cost uh, thousands oh. of dollars, but it's this is the way to get to where you want to go. Now, of course, nobody gives any guarantees about this because they can't about getting a college scholarship returning pro but just playing high school, and I worry about the high school stuff because, in fact, in all this, I worry the kids themselves. I mean, I, I do have a theory on this, Jack, and I've espoused this before, that the kids get to be 10 or 11, uh, mm-hmm. and they realize that they're not going to be playing. Uh, they're not going to be a star. They're not going to be the, the, the kid going to play on the elite club team. They're just going to be playing you know, uh, in, their, in their middle school or a high school program, the kids, a lot of kids turn away from that because I think they figure, well, if I'm not going to be a star, well, what's what's the effort? Why should I make the effort? And quite frankly, um, it's not that much fun. And the whole, you know, the whole concept of fun has been sort of distilled or extracted out of this. And that's why I think you see not only soccer enrollment going down, but also that's going to affect all the sports as well. The kids say, I'm not going to be a star, so why make the effort? You're you're absolutely right, and what what happens there is now now they lose those the three basic things to a healthy life. You know, getting enough sleep, eating the right foods, and getting enough exercise. And you know, w- when when you're talking about you know these club teams and everything like that, you know, one of the things that bothers me the most is that it is diminishing our high school. But also one thing that we don't look at, well, I, I think you might have mentioned it. You know, what we're going to start doing is losing good high school coaches. Yes. Because some of these businesses are paying their coaches more than the high school team is paying them. Well, so, you know, I mean, and it's a business. I mean, you talked last week. I listened to your show last week about Little League Baseball. It's a nonprofit organization making millions of dollars. Come on. How does that, how does that work? You know, <laughs> I mean, come on. And, you know, some of these club teams, they're paying. You know, I was offered to come in and coach club teams, and I was going to get paid Probably as much as I was getting paid to teach, to yep. be a teacher. I mean, it's, it's, you know, so I, I agree with you. It's happening, and it's, it's happening, happening quickly. And by the way, and, and Jack, i got to take a pause here, but I will tell yep. you, and just remind our listeners, it's not just happening in New Jersey and, oh. and New York and Connecticut and Pennsylvania. It's happening all over the country, and in some states, they're that much more advanced than we are around here. All right, let me, let me take a time out. We're talking this morning with Jack Smithland, the Hall of Fame coach, from Fairlawn, New Jersey. When I come back, we're going to shift gears and talk a little bit about about specialization and why that happens. Stay with me. Hey, don't forget that uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be by. And, of course, Ed will be talking baseball with you. Make sure you stick around for Ed's show. 
And as always, I invite you to check out my website and blog where you can post your thoughts and comments at askcoachwolf.com. Uh, Jack Smithlin is my guest this morning, a longtime listener to the show and a longtime contributor, and I'm thrilled that Jack uh, has, has joined me this morning to talk about what it's like to be a, a coach, a longtime coach, and seeing all these changes in the world of, of youth and high school sports. Uh, Jack, I know my, my time is limited here, but I do want to get your thoughts about specialization. You know, every surgeon, every physician, every pediatrician in the country says, parents, please don't let your kids specialize in just one sport. They're going to have, they're going to be, they're going to become victims to repetitive use injuries. Let your kid play a variety of sports. You hear the same set of, you know, opinions from not just physicians, but from coaches at the collegiate level as well. And yet we still see parents find that, oh, my kid is really good in this one sport. I'm going to let them play that one sport as long as they want to do it because, and I think deep down inside, the parents intellectually know that they hear all these warnings about, you know, the fact that kids shouldn't be doing this stuff. But they also know emotionally, well, my kid's really good at this sport, whether it's tennis or it's swimming or it's baseball, whatever it might be. And as a consequence, they feel this will give their kid that heads up, that they'll give them the advantage they need to progress to the higher levels. I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on this, Jack, because specialization was not an issue 30 years ago. It is now. No, you know, it actually wasn't. You know, when I took my first coaching job, it was in 1975. I, I coached in a small school in uh, in Passaic called Pope Pius High School. No longer exists. And the funny thing about it is I started coaching right out of college. I mean, I graduated college in the summer of 75. In September, I had my first coaching and teaching job, which I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. I coached three sports my for almost 35 years. I coached soccer and I coached wrestling, and I coached baseball and softball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then as I got older, I let a couple of those go so that I could give more time to my kids as they were growing up. But on specializing, I have a theory, and my theory is this. A well-rounded athlete is a more productive athlete. Somebody that trains in one sport has so many things happen to them. They train only those muscles that are related to that sport. They not only do that, but they also burn out. They burn out so quick as young kids that they get bored with it. And even though they were probably one of the best athletes, baseball players, hockey players, I have a little kid that started with me at five years old in hitting. And this kid now is nine years old. He's playing on the national. I think he he just tried out for the national 12 and under team at nine years old and made the, and, and, and got cut and was the last cut kid. This kid's going to go somewhere. But I tell the father, watch for burnout. Okay. Also, what does specializing do? I mean, like I said, it, it, it works different muscles. It teaches different strategies, okay? And sooner or later, a kid's going to have to specialize. They really are going to have to specialize. But, well, like I said in our last segment, you know, about, the, uh, about training all year round, specializing doesn't mean that you play year-round. It means that you train year-round. That's a... And my son's trained in baseball, but they were both I mean, really, state, all state winter trackers. Zach was an all-county football player and a place kicker. My son was an was a, was a unbelievable soccer player. They both played baseball, and they did that until they were in college. Yeah, I, I mean, Zach, Zach wanted to play football and baseball in college, you know? I, but I, the baseball coach wouldn't let him because he was giving him a scholarship. I'll so, tell you, Jack, this, these, these, 
these stories that you're relating, again, it, it, it's, it's real-world stuff, and parents, unfortunately, these days just either don't believe it or they're afraid that their kid's not going to be good enough to play a variety of sports. I don't know. But again, this is all part of these, these shifts, these, these trends that are occurring all over the, the country when it comes to youth sports. Hey, Jack, I got, I got to stop, but I got to tell you, I could talk to no you all problem. day, and, and I, get to, I, I just think you have such great insights because you're talking from, from hard-earned experience as a coach in the trenches uh, with great success, but you know exactly what's going on. Uh, so, Jack Smithen, my sincere thanks for, for sharing your thoughts and insights this morning, and obviously I'm sure you'll be calling the show in the weeks to come. <laughs> well, Rick, I'm going to just tell you one thing before I leave, and, and I don't know whether you wanted me to mention this or not, but I read your book. It was the best book that I've ever read on the mental game. And the thing that I like about your book is that it's in layman's terms, and parents, coaches, mentors, grandparents, teachers can all learn from it. Well, so hopefully it's it's selling well, and, you know, it, it's it, it was really a great tool. Jack, People should use it. Thank Rick, you. Yes, thank you. The book is selling well. Thanks and so much to your support as well. But Well, uh, Rick, thank you so much. This was a pleasure, and... Uh, you, like I said, this was, uh, uh, I was, it was an honor. Great. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jack. That, of course, okay, is Rick. Jack Smithlin. And, you know, speaking of my book, before I, I, I run out of time this morning, because as I mentioned at the top of the hour, I do know the triads are coming up in a variety of sports as we get towards back to the school year. And if your son or daughter has triads coming up, uh, either for the high school team or a travel or club team, or they have a big game they're looking forward to, I, I really... I really do urge you as the parent to, to read the section in, in Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed to, to, to basically get your kids to understand how to embrace pregame anxiety. You got to get them to understand you don't try to fight it or repress it. You got to get your kid to accept that they're going to be nervous before a game. And being nervous is actually a good sign because it means to the young individual that, that you know, your body is reacting to the game that's coming up or the tryout, uh, and, and you, 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 it means your body and your mind are in sync. They know that a lot is expected of them to, to do out and do well. And, of course, when it comes to basically preparing for a big tryout, look, let's be honest, this all boils down to a few things. Practice, 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 preparation, and obviously talent. Uh, but if a kid goes into a, a situation where they're going to be tried out or evaluated by people they don't know, uh, clearly if they've got the talent and if they practice and they've refined their skills, that's all good because, let's face it, you know, if they get to a tight moment in a game or a situation, they take a deep breath, well, take a deep breath, that's fine, that's okay, but that's just a momentary pause. It doesn't get to the heart of the real issue. And, and the real issue here is that the youngster has to have a deep well of strong self-confidence where they can just basically say, I'm going to flick on the automatic pilot, go out there, you know, do what I've done in the practice, and I practiced and I visualized it, and just let, let their athletic skill rise to the top. Uh, we often talk about, and we've heard him say this before, when you when you think too much, you stink. And, and I mean by that is, you just don't want to be too busy trying to self-evaluate during the course of the competition or during the course of the tryout. Just go back to what you do well and rely upon your skills. Uh, that is the key. And again, as the sports parent, you know, again, a lot of this is covered in my book. I would suggest that you take a chance to, to go through the book as, 
Jack Smithen was so kind to have said, it's written in a way that's been to be accessible. There's no psychological babble in the book. It's straightforward written for athletes. And the other thing, too, um, you always want to make sure if you have videotape of your kids and they've been playing well, videotape is a huge, huge uh, way, a tremendous way of getting your kids to get that mental image of themselves playing, performing at a high level, and it reinforces their level of self-confidence. So if a kid's got tryouts, make it part of the preparation. Go back and watch videotape of making great plays and, and doing things the right way. And finally, before I wrap this up, I do want to say this to you as well. If the parent is looking, if, if you're a parent in the sidelines watching your kid go through a tryout or an audition, whatever it might be, you have to train yourself to look like you're confident too. If you give any indication or sign to your youngster that you're nervous uh, or you're concerned or you're worried, the kid will pick up on that. And I know understand as a sports parent myself, when you watch your youngster, your son or daughter go out and compete, of course, your own insides are churning as well, because obviously that's what parents feel. But you have to look like you're the, the composed, you're composed, full of self-confidence, and you give a big smile to your youngster because that's what they want to see from you. That's going to make them reassured that they're doing things the right way. And it's, again, these are all covered in secrets of sports psychology revealed. Okay, I'll be back with a few final comments. Stay with me. Okay, just to wrap up things here on the Sports Edge this Sunday morning, first of all, uh, I have to really thank uh, Jack Smithland, who was uh, so gracious to come on the show and talk about that these trends, these themes that are bubbling up all over. And again, I've said this many times, and you've heard me, it's, it's so difficult and challenging these days to be a sports parent. Uh, it's because of these things are, are changing. Uh, the way it was 20, 30 years ago is not the way it is today. As I mentioned talking to Jack, I, I do feel that high school sports are beginning to be sort of be uh, minimized because the best athletes are getting onto a fast track at an early age with travel and, and club teams. I do think that's, that is the European model, and that's how things are going to revolve here in the States as well. And across all sports, uh, the concern about specialization, that continues as well. As Jack pointed out, a lot of parents have to understand that specialization doesn't mean you have to basically play one sport all year. That's not the idea. You can play a variety of sports and still have that one sport that's your favorite, but don't get to a point where your kid is doing the same thing over and over and over again 12 months of the year because you will have a situation of either burnout, which is a real concern, or repetitive use injuries. And, of course, the things about social media, it's not going to go away. If anything, it's going to get more and more complicated. I really do believe the time has come for for, uh, schools to get involved and to teach our kids about the dangers of being involved in social media. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Tom Lugauer. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.